Well, good morning, everyone. My name's Aaron. I'm one of the pastors here at Bridgewater, and we are super excited that you are here today. Thanks for taking the time to be here with us. Um, have you ever stopped and just read through the Christmas story slowly? Yes, no, maybe. It's all right. If not, don't, you're like, it's not a test. You're not going to fail, I promise, okay? Have you ever stopped and just read through the Christmas story and thought about all of the different events that occur and, frankly, just how unlikely some of them are? Have you ever done that? The Christmas story is filled with some incredibly unlikely events. And, and here's the thing. Um, our lives are filled with some highly unlikely events. Wouldn't you agree? You ever had something happen that you didn't plan on? <laughs> yeah, a thing or two. So let me tell you something about myself as we enter into a new series called An Unlikely Christmas, where we look at some of the unlikely events of, of the Christmas story, okay? Something that you need to know about me as, as one of your pastors is this. I really like things to have a plan. Anybody else like that? I mean, some of you are like planners, like you want to have everything planned to a T. I'm not that person, okay? If that's you, congratulations. I, 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 don't, I don't plan it down to the T. But I, I really like it when I kind of know the general idea of how things are going, and I don't really like it, you know, I don't really like it when I don't know if there's a plan. Can anybody else identify? Okay, thank you. I'm not crazy. Whew, thank you. Well, I might be, but, <laughs> but here's the thing. If you're a planner, then, then you're, you'll probably understand this next statement. I really like it. In fact, I'd say I love it when a plan comes together. Like, I, I like it when I can see from start to finish, and I know we're going to do this, and then this, and this, and there won't be any bumps in the road, and nobody will make any mistakes, and everything will just go perfectly, right? You, you get what I'm saying? Guess what the problem is? The flip side of that is this. I hate it when a plan falls apart. Okay, hate is a strong word, but sometimes, like you can ask my family, I get really uncomfortable when I was like, we had this plan and it was going to go like this and now we're late and it's like, uh. can any of you, are you willing to admit that maybe that's you too? Yeah. And here's the thing, life is filled with events that wreck our plans. Ever notice that? I mean, I have had situation after situation that just I did not expect. I mean, we could talk about we could talk about things like cancer. We could talk about the loss of a loved one. We could talk about more, you know, all sorts of sicknesses. We we could talk about a divorce that we did not see coming, a baby that we weren't expecting, or the loss of a child that we weren't expecting. The list can go on and on and on. All sorts of things that we had plans, and then something derailed it. 
And when I look at the Christmas story, there's, there's one particular woman that just stands out to me in that when, when God showed up in her life, she had a plan. She had it mapped out. She knew where she was going. And then all of a sudden, God pulled out the rug. And there were all sorts of unlikely events. And if I were in her shoes, I would have been really mad. I would have been upset. And yet, in the middle of the story of, of this woman's life, where everything gets pulled out from underneath her, there's this verse that I just can't get past. I think it's, it's probably the most important verse in this section, and her story is found in Luke chapter 1, and that's, that's where we're going to be. And, and in Luke chapter 1 and verse 37, we find this. This is in the middle of her story. It says, for the word of God will never fail. Which means, at least according to this, God is trustworthy. And when God says something, he will do it. When God says something, he will do it. And this woman's story is filled with all sorts of unlikely events, and yet her story teaches us something powerful. And I don't usually do this. I don't usually give you kind of the end of the story, you know, at the beginning, but I'm, I'm going to this week. I want you to know what her story teaches us. It teaches us this, that we can trust God in unlikely events because God's word will never fail. God's word will never fail. The woman's name, you may have guessed it already, is Mary. Boy, is her life filled with unlikely events. The text tells us that Mary had all sorts of unlikely life events. Let me just show you what the text shows us, okay? It starts in verse, verse 26, Luke chapter 1 and verse 26. And, and by the way, this is meant to be kind of a time where we, we, we take an honest look at these events. We're not just going to glaze over it. We're going to talk about like, what would this have looked like in her life. Verse 26 says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy... God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee. A couple of things. Number one, Elizabeth, who in the world is she? Well, if you back up in Luke, you find out that she is a woman who was married to a guy named Zechariah. Zechariah served as a priest in the, in the temple in Jerusalem, and she had been barren up to this point. She desperately wanted to have children, but couldn't, and she was quite old. And then all of a sudden... The angel Gabriel first appeared to Zechariah and said, by the way, your wife's going to have a child. And Zechariah's like, whoa, hold on, pump the brakes. Uh, hey, I know how that works. Not going to happen, pal. She's been, par she's been barren uh, her, her, her whole life. And so what did the angel do? He struck Zechariah, you know, like mute. He couldn't speak. Can you imagine that? Like your husband left for work, okay, and he could talk. Like, just fine. And he comes home. Hey, honey, how are you? You can imagine. I'm, I, I'm not making this stuff up, you know? Couldn't speak. They had to write to be able to communicate. That's the Elizabeth that we're talking about. And apparently she's been pregnant for six months. 
So now the text tells us that that same angel is is on the move again. And where does he go? He goes to Nazareth. Now, this may not mean much to you, but Jeff mentioned earlier, he mentioned Hancock. And he mentioned in the first service that he had no idea where Hancock was, okay? I don't know if you know where Hancock is. I just moved here. I don't have a clue. Nazareth would have been like that. It was a kind of a nowhere town that nobody knew much about other than the fact that it was up by the Sea of Galilee. And since I've been there, I know it's in the Valley of Megiddo and it's, you know, okay, there you go. Why is the angel going there? Hmm. Well, the text tells us in verse 27 that he was going to see someone in particular. Here's what it says. He went to Galilee to see a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, and Joseph was also a descendant of King David. Now, that's an important piece. It's an important piece because, you know, the the Old Testament promised that eventually through the line of King David, there would be a very special king, okay? And so this is all foreshadowing and, and setting things up. But here's Mary, she's engaged, and in order to understand the context, you have to know that there was a little bit of a difference in that culture, in their marriage customs, than ours. Here, if you get engaged, you know, you, 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 you'll wear a ring, which by the way, don't tell my wife, I realized that my ring came off in my glove yesterday, so it's just a silicone one, don't worry. It's not, not the expensive one. So I'm, I don't have my ring on today. But you receive a ring, right, ladies, when you get engaged, okay? And that, that is then a promise to be married to your, your fiancé, right? In this culture, marriage was kind of a two-step process, a little bit different, but in some ways similar. A, a, a man would go and, and offer a dowry to a father, the father of, of his daughter. And he would offer a payment in, 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 to be able to be married or engaged to his daughter. See, the, the, the father was losing a child and the other family was gaining a child. And so essentially they would, you know, offer a dowry. When you got engaged, it was as if in the eyes of the law you were married. But they would not consummate the marriage until later where there was a ceremony. You would, you would sometimes even go and live with the other ladies in this new family. This would, have, it would be a two-step process. One, you're engaged. Two, later, then the marriage is fulfilled. Here's the big difference. When you were engaged, the only way you could get unengaged was through divorce. Big difference in our culture. You can get unengaged by saying, I'm sorry, I'm not going to you know, marry you, all of that. In this culture, Mary is somewhere in that in-between stage. She's engaged. She's waiting. She has it all planned out. Here's Joseph. I don't know this. I'm just making it up. So it's the book of Aaron. Here we go. He's a handsome boy, you know. He's a good-looking guy, and Mary's excited. I mean, she is, she's ready. She's looking forward to, to married life. And I, I mean, maybe. I don't know. I'm just making this up. But, but you know, she has a whole plan in front of her, and all of a sudden, <laughs> guess what's going to happen? An angel shows up in her life. Verse 28. Look at what it says. It says, Gabriel 
appeared to her and started speaking. Can we just can, can we just pause for a minute? You know? Anybody here ever seen an angel? I mean, I see one every day when I get up, but uh, <laughs> thank you, thank you. She's not even in here, man. Come on. Ah, oh, you all can tell her for me, okay? No, seriously, I have never, to my knowledge, seen an angel. What is it like? Is it like, oh, you know, I don't know. Are there halos? Are there wings? Are there... I, I don't know what is it like, but that had to be shocking. It had to be shocking. Like, here's an angel, and not only are you seeing an angel, he's talking to you. He knows your name. That would be odd. And frankly, highly, highly unlikely. So when we talk about the highly unlikely events of Mary's life, we got to start here because the, the angel appears and he says, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Like he knows her and he's talking to her and he has something powerful to say. So let's just start with this. The highly unlikely events of, of Mary's life start with an angel talking to her. That falls in the category of like, whoa, right? Then... The text goes on, and I appreciate what happens here. The text tells us, confused, uh, yeah, like, why are you here? What is happening? Disturbed, like, oh, why are you here? Did I do something wrong? I mean, I, I, I'd be going through like, uh, did I say something wrong? Did I think something wrong? What's going on, you know? She's confused and she's disturbed. She tries to think what in the world this angel could mean. Why is he talking to her? What is happening? I mean, don't glaze over the events in your Bible, friends. Like, seriously, this, this would grab you and shake you. There's an angel. Was he at her home? I don't know. Was he at the store? I don't know. Did they meet at Aldi or Aldi's or what? I, I don't know. But he's talking to her. She was confused and disturbed. And then the next verse tells us she was afraid because he responds and he says to her, he says, Mary, don't be afraid. He told her, you have found favor with God. Now, I'm still confused. How about you? Okay? Now remember, Mary's, you know, fairly young, okay? She's got this whole thing planned out and mapped out, and now there's an angel in front of her. And what does he say? Well, verse 31 tells us. He says this, you will conceive and give birth to a son. Okay. So like, after, like when this whole thing is done, because I mean the text tells us that she was, she was a virgin and she was engaged and she, she was, you know, going through the, you know, that, that, that process. And so like, you know, I, I know we have a mixed company here. I'm not going to explain the whole process of how this happens. Y'all understand. She's saying like, okay, that can't happen yet. You're talking about later? No, no, no. We're talking about right now. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him 
Jesus. Now, the, the next couple of verses tell us more about Jesus, but I, I want to, I'll come back to that. I want to stay focused on Mary for a minute because Mary's response, it, like her, 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 you know, her first thought is like my thought, like I, I understand the process, okay? Like ain't going to happen, okay? It, what's, what are you talking about? Like it's not going to work. And the answer is given when the angel responds to her and he says, Let's look, look at what he says. He says in verse uh, 34, Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. Okay, she's, she's going, this, this can't happen. Now I'll give you the answer in a minute, okay, how he responds. But, but let me circle back for a minute, okay? As far as unlikely events, you got up. Everything was fine. You brushed your teeth, did your hair. Great. It's going to be a good day. I'm having a good hair day. Woohoo! And then there's an angel. That's different. Oh, by the way, you're going to have a baby without ever engaging in intercourse. You will get pregnant. That's highly, highly unlikely. Now, before I tell you what the angel had to say to her. Can, can we talk about a couple other things that were going to happen? There's a few other things that certainly would have occurred. Everybody was going to say, I don't believe you, Mary. I don't believe you. Yeah, you got pregnant by the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Me too. Everybody would have said terrible things about her. Mary's life, do you understand? Mary's life was functionally over. Now, I, I know that's hard for us to understand and, and, and comprehend in our culture, okay? But in that culture, functionally, she was about to lose her husband, Everything that she knew, everything she had planned, everything that she thought, this whole linear, like we're going to go here and here and here and here, and God just literally pulled the rug out from underneath her completely. How could he do that? Why would he do that? Why would he allow that? Why would God allow things like this to happen? Why would God do that? I can only imagine what was going through her mind. I can only imagine what she was feeling, the fear, worry, and anxiety. All because of some highly unlikely events. Here's, here's the thing. I'm pretty confident that you and I walk through some highly unlikely events too. I'm pretty confident that we put a plan together and we have a way that we think our life is going to go. I'm pretty confident that we tend to think that I'm going to do this and then do this and do this. And before you know it, I mean, there are things, there are diagnoses that come into your life. There are things you didn't expect. There's a loss of job. There's a sudden change of financial status. There's, there's a divorce that you didn't expect. There's a child that you didn't expect. I'm the list could go on. And I don't know what yours is, but I do know that in the middle, in the middle of this text is that verse that I referenced earlier, 
that basically says every word of the Lord will not fail. Hmm. So when, when Mary experiences these highly unlikely events and then says, hey, how is this going to happen? Well, the angel actually gives her an answer. Look at what he says in verse 35. He says this, the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Okay, uh, what does that mean? I don't know. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Okay, so somehow the Holy Spirit and the power of God is going to like put a baby in your uterus. Cool. Makes total sense. That's hard to understand. Right? And, and I'll be honest with you, I have had events in my life that are hard to understand. I've had things in my life that it would be a whole lot easier for me to trust myself, try to fix it myself, than it is to trust that God is actually up to something good. But the, the angel is saying, God is doing something and here's what you need to know. The baby that will be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. Oof. And then to give her encouragement and, and, and some confirmation, he, he talks to her about something that she didn't know yet. By the way, this was in the age where we didn't, we didn't have the ability to speak to anyone on, around the globe in an instant. This was an age where it would have taken much longer for news to travel. And, and I, I'm guessing that, you know, the... the they, they certainly didn't have text messages or, or uh, email or, or, or phone calls or FaceTime or whatever. We, we know that. But, but the angel tells her something interesting. He tells her in verse 36, he says this, What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. God was doing something there too. People used to say that she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. Something that seemed impossible is now possible. And then he says this, verse 37, For the word of God will never fail. So here's the deal. Mary had some highly unlikely life events, but then Mary had an unlikely response to God's plan as well. She had a, an incredibly unlikely response to God's plan. Let me, let me show you. Remember earlier, the text told us that she was confused, right? She was, she was afraid, you know? She was, she was, she was kind of like doubting and struggling and wondering what was going on. Well, verse 38 tells us her response, and this is, I'm telling you, her response blows me away because this is often not my response. Verse 38 says this. She responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Now, I like all of those words, but you know what? I like to flip the words. I like to say the Lord is my servant, and I want him to do what I want. Right? She says no. Even though she was confused and disturbed and afraid, she said, I want what God wants. Ooh. I want what God wants. This is her response. She wanted what God wanted, 
even when she was confused, disturbed, and afraid. And and I, I wish I could tell you that you won't be confused, or you won't be disturbed, or you won't be afraid, but you will, because you are either currently in a trial, or coming out of a trial, or walking into a trial. I know that about you based on my experience in life and the things that I hear from all sorts of people. I wish I could tell you you won't be afraid. I wish I could tell you it won't be hard but it will. And Mary's story calls us to say, hey, God hasn't messed up. Choose to want what God wants. Stick to that. Like Mary, there's something that we should do. Like like Mary, we should trust God even when we are confused, disturbed, and afraid. That's, that's who we should be. That's what we're called to do. Now, I told you earlier that the text had something to say in a couple of verses about Jesus, okay? It had something to say about this baby. And, and I, I held this back for, for a bit because I want you to see what God is up to because so often in the midst of our unlikely circumstances, we can't see what God is doing yet, right? We can't yet see the good that God is bringing. But if we'll hang on and trust, we will see it, okay? The text told Mary ahead of time the good that God was bringing. Verse 32 says this, he, talking about the baby, okay, he will be very great and he will be called the son of the most high. He will be called the son of God. Okay, now like, This is a big deal, okay? The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. Now, to me, as a, you know, as as an American, like, that doesn't mean a lot, but if you had grown up being taught the Old Testament, if you'd grown up in a Jewish family like Mary did in Nazareth, if if you'd grown up and had the Torah read to you over and over and had the the entirety of the, the, the law, the history, and the prophets taught to you over and over, the minute you hear that he is going to sit on the throne of David, you know that that's a reference to the Savior of the entire world, the one who has been promised for millennia now. See what the angel is saying to Mary. Mary, yep, I get it. This is going to be uncomfortable. And I'm not just talking about the pregnancy being uncomfortable. You're going to be put in a tough spot. But God is up to something. Then verse 33, he says this, And he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Like this is bigger than just like being king of Israel. This is the king of the world. Okay? I remember, <laughs> to tell you a funny story about one of my sons, I won't say which one. There was a time we were at a park, and uh, uh, they had one of these climbing, those rock climbing walls things, you know, and he was very excited to be climbing the wall. He was quite young, and he gets all the way up here. This is what happens when you grow up in a pastor's family. He climbs all the way up to the top, and he stands at the top, and he jumps up, and he goes, I'm the king of the Jews! And we are like, no, 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 no. <laughs> you know? What he meant to say was he was the king of the world, but then he got it mixed up. 
Uh, I won't tell you which son that was, but uh, basically what the angel is saying, he's the king of the world. He's this baby is the king of the world. And, and none of it will happen unless you trust. Like Mary could have been like, sorry, bro, I'm out. I'm out. And so often that's where I'm at. I want to be out when it gets uncomfortable, but it's there that God is up to something good. Fact, Matthew records in the same account where the angel goes and talks to Joseph. This is what Matthew says in verse 21 of Matthew 1. She will have a son and you are to name him Jesus for he will not just be king, but he will rescue. He will save sinners from their sin. That's me. And that's you. You are not just a mistaker. You need rescue. And Jesus is the answer. Now, the rest of Scripture doesn't talk a ton about Jesus, but it, or excuse me, <laughs> that was bad. Yes, it does. <laughs> let's, let's back that up. The rest of Scripture talks a lot about Jesus. The rest of Scripture doesn't talk a lot about Mary, okay? It does talk about her a little bit. You know, the next, Luke chapter 2, the next chapter talks about Mary, and they take the baby, and they present the baby in, in the temple. And, um, and there's an account later where Mary's trying to get Jesus' attention as an adult. And then there's, G- Mary is there actually at the crucifixion as well. And, and, and each of these kind of events along the way tell us that as Jesus is getting older, Mary is going back and remembering all the things that were said about him. She's pondering them over and over in her heart. It's almost as if, here, here's what I think, it's almost as if Mary, when she was tempted to, to struggle with everything that she went through, she had to go back and remember what was true. Luke 2, verse 19 says this. It says, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and she thought about them often. And frankly, you know what? That's what I need to do. When, when I am tempted to believe that the plan is a wreck and God has pulled the rug out on me and maybe I just messed up or I'm not sure if he's good or what is happening and why is all of this occurring and why am I divorced and why am I lost and why this and why all of that? What is happening I need to go back and think on what I know is true. What do I know about God? What do I know about who he is? And what he's done? And also, verse 37, what do I know about what he said? And whether or not it will come true? Because the scripture says that all of the promises of God will never fail. I just wonder, I just wonder what would happen in my life and in your life if we kept going back to what God has said. I wonder what would happen if we kept trusting God and kept going back and saying, you know what, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. I'm not going to charge ahead. I'm going to wait. I know I had this plan and it's all, I'm going to trust I'm going to trust. 
What would happen if you chose to believe that every promise that God has made to you will never fail? I wonder what would happen in your family. I wonder what would happen with your kids. I wonder what would happen at your workplace and in your neighborhood. I just wonder what would happen. Now I want to leave you with a story, and it's, it's, it's a little long, so, so give, give me a second. But it comes from a book that John Ortberg wrote. It's called, If You Want to Walk on Water, You Have to Get Out of the Boat. It's a, it's a good book, and I highly recommend it. But the story is... Um, uh, it, it, he, it's a story he tells in this book, and, and just listen to it. One of my favorite adventures in prayer involves Doug Coe, who is, has a ministry in Washington, D.C. that mostly involves people in politics and statecraft. A lot of fun, huh? Uh, Doug became acquainted with Bob, who is an insurance salesman who was completely unconnected with any government circles. Bob became a Christian and began to meet with Doug to learn about his new faith. One day, Bob came in all excited about a statement in the Bible where Jesus says, ask whatever you will in my name and you will receive it. Bob said, is that true? And, and Doug said, well, it's not a blank check. You have to take it in the context of the teaching of the whole scripture on prayer. But yes, it really is true. Jesus really does answer prayer. Great, Bob said, then I'm going to start praying for something. I think I'll pray for Africa. Um, that's kind of a broad target, uh, Doug said. Why don't you narrow it down to one country? All right, I'm going to pray for Kenya. <laughs> uh, hey, uh, Bob, do you know anybody in Kenya? No. Ever been to Kenya? No. Uh, listen, I just want to pray for Kenya. <laughs> okay, so Doug decided to make an unusual arrangement with him. He challenged Bob to pray every day for six months for Kenya. If, if Bob would do that and nothing extraordinary happened, Doug would pay him $500. But if something remarkable did happen, Bob would pay Doug $500. And if Bob did not pray every day, the whole deal was off. It was a pretty unusual prayer program, but, you know, Doug seems to be a creative guy. So Bob began to pray, and for a long while, nothing happened. Then one night, he was at a dinner in Washington. The people around the table explained what they did for a living. One woman said she helped run an orphanage in Kenya. You guessed it. The largest of its kind. Bob started to see the $500 flying away from him. But he couldn't help himself, and so he started asking her question after question. You're obviously very interested in my country, the woman said to Bob. Overwhelmed by a sudden barrage of questions. You've been to Kenya before? Mm, no. You know someone in Kenya? Mm, no. Then why in the world are you so curious? Well, someone is kind of paying me $500 to pray for Kenya. <laughs> so then she asked Bob if he would like to come visit Kenya and tour the orphanage. And Bob was so eager to go, he would have gotten on a plane that very night. When he, when he arrived in Kenya... He was appalled by the poverty and the lack of basic health care. When he returned to Washington, he, he couldn't get it out of his mind. So he decided to start writing all of the pharmaceutical companies he could think of and ask them to donate money or, or donate um, uh, uh, pharmaceutical supplies to the orphanage. He reminded them that every year they would throw away very large amounts of medical supplies that went unsold. So why not send them to this place in Kenya? 
And some of them did. The orphanage received more than a million dollars in supplies in the first year alone. The woman called Bob up and said, Bob, this is amazing. We had the most phenomenal gifts because of the letters that you wrote. We would like you to fly back over and have a big party. Will you come? So Bob flew back to Kenya. While he was there, the president of Kenya came to the celebration because it was the largest orphanage in the, conf- in the country and offered to take Bob on a tour of Nairobi, the capital city. In the course of the tour, they saw a prison. Bob asked about a group of prisoners that he saw there. The president said, those prisoners are political prisoners. Bob said, that's a bad idea. You should let them go to the president. Bob finished the tour and he flew back home. Sometime later, Bob received a phone call from the State Department of the United States government. Is this Bob? Uh, yeah. Were you in Kenya recently? Yeah. Did you make any statements to the president about political prisoners? Uh, yeah. What did you say? I told him he should let them out. The State Department official explained that the department had been working for years to get the release of those prisoners to no avail. Normal diplomatic channels and political maneuverings had led to a dead end, but now the prisoners had been released and the State Department was told that it had been largely because of Bob. So the U.S. government was calling to say thank you. Several months later, the president of Kenya made a phone call to Bob. He was going to rearrange his government and select a new cabinet. Would Bob be willing to fly over and pray for him for three days while he made those choices? So Bob, who was not politically connected at all, He boarded a plane once more and he flew back to Kenya where he prayed and he asked God to give wisdom to the leader of the nation as he selected his government. What in the world would God do if I just decided to trust him? If I just said, okay, I don't get it. I'm uncomfortable. It's unlikely. The rug's been pulled out from underneath me. But you are big. I just wonder what would happen. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that you brought some incredibly unlikely events into Mary's life. I wouldn't have understood it if I were involved in that story. I would have been very uncomfortable. Frankly, I probably would have been upset. And yet you were working something so big and so good that none of us could see it. So God, I just pray that now that you'd help us to trust you. I pray that you'd help us to trust you when we don't understand. That you'd help us to lean in and to believe that never once will your promises fail. We pray in Jesus' name.